You're listening to the Feral House Podcast, Episode 1. first Feral House podcast. The idea is to talk to uh, the writers and artists associated with Feral House. And you, of course, are essentially the father of Feral House. Can you tell anyone who might be listening, what made you want to start publishing books? Well, um, early on in my life, I uh, gathered books for resale, as like used books and goodwill Finds another medium, and that's how I kept alive and how I kept going when I lived in uh, San Francisco in the very early 80s. And uh, so it seemed like more like a practical idea to do a thing that I knew of, which was uh, book publishing. And I I found this guy in New York City, his name is Ken Sleazy, who. He, uh, he was living in L.A. at the time, but I was in New York at that time. And we came to speak about publishing and what to do in terms of publishing. We agreed uh, on stuff that was under, under, underwhelming in terms of its uh, being published before, because I've like, got li- literature about bums, different sagas of the American history that you normally not hear about. Well, I know you're referencing the great, that Jack Black book, right? Yes, right. The You Can't Win book and uh, one about Boxcar Bertha, per se. You know, that that film was made by Martin Scorsese with, I forget the name of the actress. Uh, In any case, we agreed to do this among press uh, line of books, and there was a a bookstore in L.A. that he helped create called the Muck Bookstore. And the people involved with the Muck Bookstore were doing on a Muck catalog and, of you know, interesting facets of American publishing. And I contributed somewhat to that catalog project. Then we started with the actual publishing game. And uh, at that point, I was typesetting for a small theater publisher in New York City that was, they were named PHA, or Performing Arts Journal Publications, and uh, so there I was with a typesetting machine and other uh, aspects of how to lay out a book that wasn't, it was not done on the computer, it was done with you spit out the uh, galleys with a typesetting equipment. Then you exactoblate them out and then paste on half tones and stats, they were called, the kind of the image creators, creation devices. And so it was like, it was an interesting thing to me to lay out a book and sort of create it on my own, lay it out and put out interesting material because we're responsible for creating the content for that. And not just the um, Fifth Avenue really expensive business that it was at that time. Mm-hmm. 
And so, if I remember uh, rightly, you had some real early success with the first books that Amok and Farrell put out. The first book that Amok Press put out was a, a novel written by Joseph Goebbels, <laughs> a, a, a largely beloved man, if you're a Nazi. But, um, but in any case, he was a well-known individual, and it got, strikingly, it got a, a review in the New York, New York Times, and that, that was an unusual thing to get for a small publisher. Yeah, really, really. at that time. Yeah, really extraordinary. Now, let me ask this. Actually, you know, I haven't read that. It, was it any good? Uh, it, was, it was intriguing because he was very pro-Russian in that book. And it was about Russian labor saga on the whole. And so it was kind of unexpected book. But you could see where a lot of his later ideas uh, came from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also at the last minute, he put in a kind of a Hitler figure uh, just for the, the first publication of the book because it was published in 1933 when, uh, you know, Hitler had become the leader. Right, well, and then Goebbels and actually will... took over all of these arts, cinema, publishing, so that was an easy yeah. thing for him to do then. Interesting. Um, so, yes. so moving on, you starting now, and it is what twenty five, thirty five years later from the first book put out, and you're still publishing books. What what are the kind of stories or books that you get excited about now that keeps you going? That we're still putting books out. What what keeps um, you going? What's interesting to you? Recent days, particularly, we sent this book to the printer which is a, um, a memoir by Francois Hardy, the famed Ye-Ye girl singer in France. And uh, I, I'm particularly taken with, with her, interested in her work. And the memoir is interesting because it uh, talks about her whole career and lifetime and all that stuff. And so it's also a follow-up to a book we published a few years ago called uh, the Yeye Girls of 60s French Pop. And so this is, I think this is um, a type of publishing that was not respected well enough in American culture. And strangely enough, uh, Francois Hardy has got her book published by uh, many European publishers and uh, Asian publishers, and it sold millions of copies out there. And she's a big, big deal there in other parts of the world, but not in the United States. And I think that uh, she should be. Um, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that people are going to be really surprised when they read this to find, and I, again, working on it, I was lucky enough to read her, the manuscript, how brilliantly smart and erudite this woman is. She's more than just a singer, uh, she has some real fascinating interests in psychology and literature, and she writes and talks about all those things in the book. So I, I'm excited, too, for people to read it and get a new insight on, to, on her. I know what else we're doing in spring. Are there any of the books in spring or fall that are coming out that you're particularly excited about? Well, we, 
we did their, the first children's book ever for Feral House. It's about... Uh, the Grandpa's Ghost Stories by James Flora. The Grandpa's Ghost Stories, yes, ex- exactly. And uh, James Flora is the name of the illustrator and writer of these stories. And he's, he's brilliant in that regard. And they're very interesting books, particularly because they're a children's book per se, but they seem a bit further beyond uh, a, a 10-year-old consciousness, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're um, really quite dark. So I'm very excited about doing that. And so Working with this friend in New York, his name is Erwin Chusid, who does a lot of stuff about James Flora archives and building his career up in modern times publishing. Yeah. Uh, the the our, our next title with James Flora after the Ghost Stories book is Grandpa's Witched Up Christmas. So it's a Christmas book. But it's not, you know, used with the, the regular Santa Claus type stuff. It was a more weird and occult-looking thing, you know. Yeah, it looks great. Some of the uh, I was doing some research on it, and you could see that he had the story really clear in his head. You can see the early transcripts of it uh, in the archives at the Children's Literature Archive at the University of Minnesota. Um, and the art is just great, just extraordinary. Anybody who's a fan of Jim Flora's, whether they remember it from childhood or going even back further uh, for the Jazz Bows record collectors, is Flora did all those great record covers for yeah. 1950s, yeah. 60s, for a number of the jazz labels. So it, this is a great, if you're a Feral House fan and you... Um, somehow accidentally procreated and have children, you can then now introduce Feral House titles to your kids or your grandkids or children that you're looking to corrupt and subvert. Um, I know one of the books I'm excited about uh, coming out is, uh, uh, I'm working on right now with a number of artists, is the Black Metal Coloring Book. Feral House, and you've done a hell of a lot of work really bringing that kind of cultural stuff to the forefront. And I know the Jonas Ackerlin movie, Lords of Chaos, based on Mike Moynihan's book, is the movie just premiered at Sundance. And here's a secret. You got to see it last night. How was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, a producer drove up from Los Angeles because they didn't want to let out the, uh, a link to it because they were worried that I would get the and resell the movie <laughs> due to their distribution deals. But so there he was uh, up in my house and hooking it up with HDMI on my, my television at home. And so I got to sit through this two-hour movie uh, that's take off on the Lords of Chaos book by Michael Moynihan and Diedrich Söderlund. I was mainly involved with that book in the 90s, 1990s, when it was created and put to print and all that stuff at the beginning. No one really knew about that movement at all, black metal. Uh, But after the book came out, it kind of caught storm a, a bit and became a big seller for us. Well, I think a lot of people caught word on it. Yeah, I think your the book Lords of Chaos pretty much introduced 
um, the idea of black metal, death metal, all of that Scandinavian metal stuff to the kind of quote unquote general population in the United States. So how was the movie? What's your brief uh, 30-second movie review? <laughs> well, the, the guy behind the movie, uh, initially were different people, but then eventually it was caught on to this guy, Jonas Ackerland, who was involved with the black metal scene at the very start. And so he, he knew these people and knew about the whole thing, and he knew the book, and apparently liked the book and wanted to direct this film about it. Also, he wanted to write the script to it, and he wanted to be his, make, it, make it his whole deal, make it a Jonas Ackerland movie rather than a Feral House book or, Feral, or a script that Adam Parfrey wrote. And I had written a script, um, but it not, was not used for the movie. But in any respect, it was... You know, I think Jonas did a good job, but really, in respect to its tone and what it uh, projects, it's more of a a modern day version of a '50s uh, soda shop movie. <laughs> uh, like kids <laughs> getting a band together and all that stuff, kind of like kids with nasty ideas, but similar tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way my script that I wrote initially is different from the actual movie that it turned out to be. I was more interested in the mythology and the folklore of it, and so it had more of that kind of stuff. But Jonas wanted to keep away from that idea of uh, projecting the, the the black metal ideas and what the folklore of it was. Right. So this and is make more it more of like kids getting a a band together and and stupid things happening. Okay. So fr- Frankie and Annette uh, start a black metal band and burn a church? Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of church burning stuff, of course, because that's the story. Right. But the, um, it was decent for that, but I, you know, it was not the kind of perspective I would personally take as being interesting and do a kind of creation of a film. And so I'm not a filmmaker, per se, or film director, and he's trying to, you know, do a career for himself. And so you've got to keep all this in mind. Well, How I'd... does he take Lords of Chaos and make it a Jonas Ackerland movie? Sure, and from what I understand with filmmaking, I mean, you have to serve so many different masters versus just saying writing, publishing a book. So there's a lot of moneyed interests that have, unfortunately, a say in what that final product is going to be. Of course, yeah. I I thought the actors were pretty good, and there are interesting aspects of that, because Varg Vigrinus, who became kind of a big star due to the Lords of Chaos book, Around the time the book came out, there was just a few years following his murder of the fellow Euronymous, and that, that, that of course, becomes the, the major aspect of the movie, is the, the, the murder of, you know, mm-hmm. between the, and the conflict between those two guys. So, thumbs up, good date night movie for the fiends out there listening? Yeah, it's worth seeing. But it's in respect to that, 
it's not the movie I would have made personally. Okay. But, you know, it, it was well done for what it was. Cool. Um, I know other books that we've got coming out in spring is something that I think I'm more familiar with, um, which is uh, Danko Jones, who's Canadian rock star extraordinaire. Um, it's called I've Got Something to Say. And it's a collection of his stories about uh, rock and roll business, touring uh, with people infamous and famous. And it's a combination of his writing as well as then uh, graphic, different graphic artists, uh, cartoonists interpreting some of those stories. And it, it's great for rock and roll fans if you wonder what it's like to party with Lemmy and party with Slash and play the biggest European rock festivals, you'll definitely want to read this one. I think that one's more in my wheelhouse than yours, Adam. What other titles are coming out soon? I know we've got a follow-up to the very popular Chemtrails book from Alana Freeland. Can you talk about that one for a moment? Certainly. Alana Freeland uh, is the author, and the book's called Under an Ionized Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. Okay, mm -hmm. and you say chemtrails on the internet now. It's like a largely some like foolish people who believe that the weather's being altered by scientists and government agents, and people think that that's a crazy idea that it can't be true. And uh, then people did find that it is true, and it was. Uh, confessed by a lot of people involved with it, and so what? What's going on there? What? What's exactly occurring with these scientists, with these government agencies, and all that? And why are they so hooked up with altering weather patterns or keeping stable or this and that? There are other people who, like Bill Gates and other people, who try to pronounce that they're behind the idea of controlling weather and all that stuff. So it's, it's a big deal in terms of uh, government money, government agencies, scientists, uh, and, and also wars between mm -hmm. uh, one country or another. What I think is interesting is a lot of folks will, um, if I'm out and we talk about Feral House, uh, people will initially scoff at the books about, say, chemtrails or conspiracies, but those are the ones they want to read about. I just had it the other day where someone asked me about, when is that one coming out? And it was with that very, like, I'm not sure I believe it, but I want to read about it. And I think that's what we've always said, is that you should keep an open mind on some of these things. The idea is that someone's calling a conspiracy today or even 20 years ago is um, many times been proven to be actual fact. Well, the, the original idea of uh, insulting the idea of conspiracy occurred with the JFK of people who uh, questioned the Warren Commission report originally back in the 60s. And at that point, the FBI and CIA were about dumping people who questioned that is being insane or <laughs> you shouldn't ever question a government uh, position or paper or anything like that. Right. Ever. Yeah, it's so funny. So what do you do? 
Well, I'm glad that Feral House is that we're putting these books out. I think that um, people are smart enough, the people who are our fans, who are reading our books, are hungry for knowledge and are smart enough to be able to discern you know, a, a truth out of what the information that's presented to them. Well, indeed, I think it's important to learn all the various aspects of, a, and, of an idea and, and I not dismiss all of it because there may be a reason for that or not. You know, so you have to figure it out on your own. Which brings us to another of our titles coming out for spring, which is everybody's favorite anarcho-primitivist philosopher, John Zerzan. In April, we'll be putting out A People's History of Civilization. Now, you know Zerzan. How long have you known John? I've known John for many decades. (laughs) And um, the first piece of his I used was a, uh, an Against Civilization uh, essay that I included in the Apocalypse Culture compilation. And John lives in Eugene, Oregon. And when I was interested in moving out to the West Coast at that, when I was living in New York City, maybe uh, Portland or Eugene or Seattle. So I flew out and I rented a car and passed by and saw John on my West Coast tour, and uh, he's a great, great figure, but he's, you might know that he's an anarchist, and he has a following among anarchists uh, internationally, and also he's a very anti-technology dude. His point of view about technology and technological history in American civilization is part of this newer book that's coming out. And so he, he's a great researcher, an interesting guy, good writer. And so that was, uh, so I, I've been doing publishing John's work for decades. Uh, it probably doesn't sell enough to make money, but fortunately other books uh, shore up the, the money aspects of it more. <laughs> Uh, of the of the company, so we can keep doing that. Well, John's work, and I think, and that's part of like who is Feral House. Feral House is you, and um, then Jessica, and um, yep. myself, and then and virtual an army of designers and some freelance all freelancers that kind of work to help bringing these books to your bookstores to your doorstep. So we're, Feral House is a small company, and we enjoy bringing new ideas to people. Adam, what do you think, as we talk about one last book for the uh, season, is Phil Stanford's Portland Confidential. We've had some success with his earlier book, Rose City Vice. What made you want to take on his second book, Portland Confidential? Well, Phil Stanford is an interesting dude. I used to live near him in uh, Portland, and he'd gone to trouble when he was writing a a daily column for the Oregonian, the daily paper there in Portland, because he would write about odd people who were sometimes too far gone or too right-wing or too left-wing or too this or too that. (laughs) And so he never held back from that, so he seemed like a perfect person to publish because he was not, he didn't go down the straight and narrow. 
in terms of the subject matter and people he would uh, discuss and describe. He has interesting stories about um, the crime history of Portland and Oregon. It fascinated me, so I thought it would be interesting book to bring on, you know, the, the both of them, the Rose City Vice and the newer book. We ha- we love those. Um, we meaning like the f- actual fans. I, I sometimes have to change my tense because um, I'm a fan of Feral House as well as working with Feral House. So w- as we move forward with our podcast, and Adam and I kind of initially, this will be the first one, our, what we see for the future is that we'll be talking to some of the authors uh, that we mentioned today with books coming out soon, as well as other folks who have written books that are popular in our, in the publishing term called backlist. And we'll probably be talking to Adam again when Adam feels like he wants to talk to all the fans, but for today, (laughs) so is there anything that, 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 that's very odd for me to hear because I normally don't do this sort of thing, but well, again, it, it'll be at your pleasure that if you decide you want to do this again. All right. So any, any final words for our initial podcast that you want to share with uh, folks who might be listening? Well, I, I'm just happy that uh, folks out there are interested and intrigued enough in our, the culture and the cultural archetypes and ones that disrupt uh, the world and interesting sagas that that our company can continue and follow on. I I just appreciative that there's a audience for this work. So thank you. Hey fiends, thanks for listening to the Feral House podcast. We do this about once a month, talking to Feral House and Process Media writers, as well as members of the extended Feral family. You're part of the family. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have an idea of someone we should talk to. You can send me a note at press at feralhouse.com, P-R-E-S-S at feralhouse.com. 